we're going to get straight into it uh, this morning. And uh, this is, uh, believe it or not, it's, it's a series, I've decided. I've turned last week's message into a series for this week. And uh, I've entitled this one, When God is Too Late. When God is Too Late. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come around your word now, we just pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, minister to us. God, we need you and we love you. And we want to see what you want to do, God. We want you to move today. God, we want what you want for us. We want what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to jump straight into the story of Lazarus this morning. And uh, it's a bit of a long one, so I want you to get comfortable and uh, put your feet out in front if you need to and sit back and relax. And uh, yeah, we're going to read all 44 verses today. It's going to be amazing. But uh, I'll stop here and there because uh, I've got a few thoughts along the, along the journey. Um, but we'll start, it's in John chapter 11, and we'll start from verse 1. And it goes like this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. You know, something does not happen when you think it should happen. It does not mean that God does not love you. I remind you that God is love. You know, it, it would have been fantastic for Jesus to respond uh, to the request of their dear friends and uh, come straight away. Uh, but he decides, nah, it's okay. We'll stick around for another couple of days and uh, then we'll go. It does not mean that God does not love you. God does love you, He does have a plan, and the best will come. His disciples objected to Jesus wanting to go to Judea, and they said, this rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. It's probably not the place to go. How, why are you going there again, they asked. And Jesus replied, look, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. I love when Jesus just rolls off with stuff and it's like, man, to hear these things in the moment would have just been so incredible. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. I love Thomas. I, I think literally he thought that Jesus was going to die so that he could then see Lazarus, because Lazarus had uh, died, but uh, he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying, could he? 
Now, our miracle may not look like what we think it will look like. We might not be able to understand what God is doing. Sometimes we can't even comprehend it, can we? Our inability to believe, can I tell you, does not restrict God and His ability to do whatever He needs to do. Moving on, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, He was told that Lazarus had already been in His grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet Him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But now, even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village, the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. There was a crowd forming around Jesus. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, mind you, though, he is the resurrection and the life. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was, he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? I encourage you, don't listen to the lack of faith around you. <laughs> when you don't need lack of faith, don't listen to it. There's <laughs> plenty of lack of faith that we have to deal with in our own lives, let alone the lack of faith around us. You know, sometimes from people who should probably be supporting you too. Is there anything impossible for your God? Ask yourself, is there anything impossible for your God? Just because you can't see it does not mean that God is not doing a work. Sure, Jesus could have kept Lazarus from dying. He could also raise him from the dead though. I like it. Just because it doesn't look like you think it should look like, it does not mean that God is not going to do a miracle for you. Just because it might be too late for your miracle to take place. Maybe that time came and that time is gone. Is it ever really too late for God though? Is it ever really too late? I think of some of those moments in Scripture where, you know, probably many years passed when things could have happened or should have happened. God came through. God is still coming through today. Would it have been less traumatic for Mary and Martha? No doubt. Did the miracle that Jesus was about to form outweigh that? You betcha. Come on. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. The cave with the stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. 
to Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Church, can I encourage you this morning, when God is too late, you can be rest assured that he is setting you up for a miracle. When God is too late for what you needed him to come through and do for you, you can be rest assured that the best is still to come. The best is always still to come when your God is at work. Yeah, I love that, I love that in the middle of this moment, the miracle is about to take place, and the only thing Martha can think of is how bad it's going to smell. You think about that. It's like, of all the things Martha could have said, the one thing that just came to her, this is going to be a bad smell, Jesus. I don't know, Jesus. Are you sure you want to open that too? Like, that was a bad smell. It's about to come. You know when, you know when like, you know something's going to smell bad? You just, you got to smell it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know it's going to smell bad and you know you're going to regret it. But you just, you just got to have a little sniff anyway. You just got to, just a little smell. And then you, yep, I regret it. Shouldn't have smelt it. Unbelievable. I don't know. Maybe it's just a guy thing or something. But, uh, yeah, you know, curiosity. <laughs> it's like, gets you every time. It's like, that smells. It's clearly on Martha's mind. It's like the only thing she cared about. It's so cool, hey, reading this story about Mary and Martha. Like, this is the Mary and Martha that were all sitting at the feet of Jesus, working lots of Jesus. This is the Mary that was pouring expensive stuff out on, on Jesus' feet. There's a lot of relationship between these people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were good friends. And, the, and you know, the, the girls even reminded Jesus, Jesus, this is your good friend, Lazarus. Not just one of the other friends. <laughs> like, Jesus, your good friend. Lazarus, he's dying. And Jesus leaves it and comes. He knew what he was going to do. A couple of thoughts from this. Could Jesus have got there in time and healed Lazarus? Yes. Easily. Did, Le- did Lazarus have to die? No. But was it God's best? Was it God's best? You know, we, we could say, well, to not die would be the best. Surely. But was it? Was it God's best? Imagine being Lazarus being raised from the dead. Imagine being the sisters after Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Do you think in that moment you would forget about what has happened up to that point? Do you think in the middle of that miracle, when they see their brother coming out of an open tomb with grave clothes and head cloths and all of this stuff all around him and on him, do you think they would have remembered that he was even sick? It would have been so unbelievably inspiring in that moment everything else would not have mattered. Maybe it was God's best. You know, I love that Jesus' response to the situation when he first heard about it wasn't to worry, wasn't to stress, and there's knickers in it not. I don't know if they had knickers back then, they had robes for sure. I don't know, maybe a wrap or something. I don't know, anyways. 
I love that his response was not to get stressed and worry, not to doubt. But what do you do? He simply proclaimed and declared a statement that he knew was true, that this story was not going to end in Lazarus dying. But Lazarus did die. That's not how the story ended. Come on, church. You and I know how our story ends. You and I know what's to come, don't we? We know that we have eternal life. We know that there is a heaven that you and I get to live in forever. So despite maybe what goes on in this time, we have this time to look forward to, don't we? Come on, we have eternal life to live for, and it's to live forever. So Jesus proclaims and declares in this moment what he knew was truth, that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. He died but it didn't end in death. God had the last say. Love that. Now, you and I have a choice to proclaim the goodness of God and to proclare the truth of the Word or not. It can be hard in the moment to exhibit faith, can't it? It can be hard to exhibit faith for something that in the natural is is not possible. But come on, how awesome is it that God designed the natural? God created the natural that you and I live in. It is a part of Him. He is able to begin and to finish what He started. It's who He is. When God is too late, have some water please today. We talked a little bit about them last, last week with the Israelites. You know, they were given a word to hold on to that they would receive a promised land. Was it too late? For those who were born and died, generations come and gone, was it too late for them to receive their promised land? Or did they receive their promised land? Because I can tell you that those who died in that time that they were waiting for the promised land did receive their promised land. Would they have not entered into paradise? Did not Jesus say to the man on the cross next to him, today you will be with me, today you will be with me, in paradise, I can tell you that they entered their promised land and it was a good promised land and I'm pretty sure it was a promised land that they wouldn't have wanted to give up for the promised land that the rest of their family was going to receive. They got their promised land. Was it too late for Joseph? Was it too late for Moses? Was it too late for Naomi? Was it too late for the Shunammite woman's boy? Was it too late? Was it too late for Lazarus? Was it too late for Peter? Was it too late for humanity? There was this other time that God was definitely way too late. (laughs) The story of the widow's son. The funeral was taking place. And Jesus on his way to another town, probably to another synagogue, probably to preach another message, to encourage the people, to continue doing what he was called to do. He sees a funeral procession happening. And it's so late now in the story for a miracle to take place that it's awkward and it's public, it's just inappropriate. I mean, Jesus walks up to the funeral. I mean, you don't crash funerals. You crash weddings. If you're thinking about crashing something, you crash parties, birthdays, neighbors, backyard barbecues. You don't crash funerals. It wasn't good then and it's not good now. But Jesus decides to crash the funeral. He walks straight into the middle of it and doesn't stop there. decides He's going to touch the coffin. Nobody touches the coffin. And then turns to the mother, who is a widow, 
who has lost her only child, her son, a young man. And he tells her, woman, don't cry. A little late for that, Jesus. Jesus, I don't know if you don't understand life. I don't know if you don't understand the way things work, Jesus. But when people die, you cry. Like when all of my hopes and dreams that I thought that this is how life was going to look like, when it has come to its end, Jesus, I'm going to cry. But Jesus says, don't cry. He was able to make that statement because he could back it up. Your God can back up the statements that he makes in his word because he knows what he can do. He knows what type of faith he has. He knows what he is able to do even when we can't even work out how he could possibly do it. He speaks to that young man, young man, get up. Gives him back to his mother. Can you imagine the uproar in that crowd in that moment? From, from crying to shock, from tears of wailing and and consolation and commiseration, and trying to comfort themselves and each other and the, the woman, to sheer joy and just incredible. Can you imagine? So was Jesus too late? Is it ever too late for God? You know, maybe you've been waiting for God to do a miracle for you, and the only miracles you see Him doing are the ones that everyone else is receiving. Don't you hate it when you're, like, you're praying for something and then someone else likes to blurt out their testimony? Praise the Lord. It's like, man, I was like waiting for like three months, like three months, like I'm talking three months, like it was a long time. God came through for me. It's unbelievable. And then I got my breakthrough, and it's so good. I just want to tell the world about it. And then you're over here, and you're like, shut up. I've been waiting three years. I've been waiting 13 years. God, she's been waiting three months for her miracle. He asked me. <laughs> and you're still waiting. Why did they get healed? I've been praying the same prayers. I'm pretty sure I'm praying to the same God. Your colleague gets the promotion. You know you're way more qualified. Can I encourage you to respond in grace and in faith? Praise God for that miracle. Praise God because He is awesome. Praise God for you and I know that I can praise God for me because my miracle is still to come. Can I tell you, God is never too late. The best is yet to come. The best for you is still to come. Let us stir you up to keep on believing for your miracle. God is awesome and he will come through for you. I can tell you that in confidence. Is it ever too late for God? God came through for Lazarus. God came through for the widow. God came through then, and he's still coming through today. You can keep believing, church. You can keep praying. You can keep holding on. Just because you can't see it happening doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Just because your faith has not come to its fruition doesn't mean that it's not complete in him. When Daniel prayed to God for an answer. God answered straight away. It took three weeks for that answer to, to reach him, but God answered straight away. There was a fight for that answer to come through to Daniel. There was a fight in the spiritual realm for what God had already released to be able to come into its fullness and its fruition. God had already answered. It'd been spoken. 
it was going to happen. When God has spoken, it is going to happen. I said it last week and I'll say it again today. God is not mocked and He will not be mocked and His Word will not be mocked. And if your situation looks like it is mocking God in heaven, then I can tell you in confidence that the best for you is still to come. God will come through for you. So what do we do when God is too late then? How do we respond when bad happens and maybe it even keeps on happening? How do we get through when God doesn't seem to be coming through? Now we read of uh, the story of Job in, in Scripture and it's an incredible story what happens to him. He's a man, it says a righteous man, he's living life. It says that Satan waltzes on into the throne room of God and says, you know what God, you got some there's some pretty good people down there, but that Job guy, I reckon I could get him. If you let me attack him, I reckon he'd, he'd, he'd leave you, curse you, and not follow you. And the story goes on, God's like, well, yeah, you know what? Give it a go. Not true. You know the story? He loses it all. Loses his kids, loses his wealth. His body starts to get affected. And in Job chapter 1, he responds to this by saying these words. He stood up and tore his robe in grief, and he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And it says this, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, in the beginning, Job thought he understood God. But his statement depicts God as a mean God, a God who takes away. In his statement, he makes a statement that seems godly, but it's not godly at all. And it doesn't reveal the truth or the character of who our God is. Despite his statement, the word says he didn't sin even though he blamed God for taking away. Was this really the story? Was this really what the story told us? In the end, chapter 42, Job realized how possibly could he have thought that he could ever understand the fullness of God and the things of God. And God responds to Job at the end of the book and he doesn't defend his actions to Job stating that he has the right to take things away. No, instead he explains to Job that he's not like that at all. See, we get to see the story through omniscient perspective, seeing that it's not God doing the taking. Who was it? Satan took. God did not take. God did not do evil. God can't do evil. God does not do bad. God can only do good. God is good. God is love. It was the enemy that took, not God. See, we get to see the story like this, and Job gets a glimpse in the end of it all, and he repents for his questions and for his belief and his statements about God. And I love how God responds, because he, he repents about his initial conclusions of God, and he knew that they were, in fact, wrong. You know, God even asked Job to pray for his friends. 
told his friends, you guys wrong. Get some bulls and some cows and bring them and offer some sacrifices and get Job to pray for you because I'll hear his prayer. See, Job's initial statement was made with a lack of understanding of who God really is. There's one conjecture to whether this is a true story or real story or maybe it's biblical poetry or whatever, but I can tell you for you and I today, it's the Word of God, it's in the Bible, and it is good for you and I, and it can teach us and encourage us. Sometimes we can't understand the mysteries of God. Why did Jesus have to die? Was there another way? Why did He ask? Why does God not skip the earth part if He really does know what it's all about? Can't we just skip it all and get straight to the end result? Yep, they're in heaven, they're in hell, the end. Do people really get choice? Can God still be surprised? Job knew that despite his circumstances, God was still the answer. Even though he was in deep pain, God was his answer and his redemption. Church, Jesus is the answer. Jesus has always been the answer and he always will be the answer. Is the God of the Old Testament different to the God that we serve today? God is love. God is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has a plan. It's a good plan. God does love us. God is love. The bad and the evil will not have the final say. Amen? Come on, the end of this time may not be pleasant, but my revelation to encourage you today that death is a gift from God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 20 to 24, you can read this. It says that the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out... Take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it. Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Church, you and I won't really ever die. You and I won't really ever die. Jesus said no one really ever dies when he was talking about the circumstance with his disciples about Lazarus. No one really ever dies. When we die on this time in earth, we're not dead. We are very alive and we are very into the next part of life and we are very into all eternity kicking off for you when you die in this time. Death was a gift from God. He said, lest they eat from the tree of life. God didn't want us to have to live in the yuck, to live and endure the pain and the hurt and the suffering that we chose to step into. When we hurt ourselves, when we hurt others, when we commit sin, God did not want us to have to remain in that. And so He did what he knew he could do, and he put a flaming sword on one side and mighty cherubim on the other side to make sure that we would not live forever in the hurt and the pain, the issues, the sickness, the diseases, the suffering. He made a way out. And he made sure that even when we die the first death, we will live forever. 
death is a gift from God. It is a miracle. And what we do with our life here and now, that's what counts. There is life to come. It's eternal life. And you and I get to live it forever. It is something to look forward to. Come on, church, we don't grieve without hope. You and I have hope, hope for eternal life. What about that moment when Mary was looking at her son hanging on the cross? You know, it's not natural for a parent to lose a child. It's not the way it's meant to be. It's not how life should happen. You know, what Mary was enduring, though, God was also enduring in that moment. God was enduring His Son. The very same thing that Mary was enduring. God had to let His Son go. He had to turn away from Him. In the moment of His greatest struggle with the weight of the world upon Him, no one could help Him. Jesus literally took it all. Of course, it would have been better for Mary to have Jesus remain. But was it? Of course, it would have been better for Mary to have Jesus around, to see the years pass, to have Him there as she aged, to enjoy life. To have Him there until the end. But was it? The best for Mary was to let her Jesus go. The best for Mary was to let her Jesus go. It might not have seemed like it in the moment. It might not have seemed like it as the years went on. Mary was human. But now, but what Mary had to look forward to because of it, I know God would have comforted her. I know the Holy Spirit would have filled her too. It was the best version of Mary's story to let her son go. Church, God's best may not look like what we want it to look like. But we can be confident that it is the best. God will always do His best for us. Doesn't make it easier in the moment? Nope. The eternal glory that you and I have because of Jesus' sacrifice and all the inheritance is way more than we can ever imagine. The best is yet to come. Can I get the band to come back, please? There are some verses for you to take home to encourage you. Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Another one, Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My last one, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Church, we pray, we believe, God is in control, God is good, God is love, and the best is yet to come. I can confidently say that today for you. The best is yet to come to come. Well, you and I have to look forward to. It is better than any version of the story that we can conjure up. What you and I have to live for is better than anything that we could devise ourselves or try to create. 
What God has for you and I is the best version of your story. What blessing He has coming for you is the best blessing that you could ever hope to ever receive. It will blow you out of the park. What God has for us, church, is God ever too late? Can God be late? The best is yet to come. Thank you.